0: This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 52. Oh, I'm too sexy for my sh- You know what? Not even going to give it a try.
1: You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now.
0: Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast. I'm super excited that you are here today. Today's guest, I'm really excited to release. Today, I'm interviewing Lisa Carpenter. Lisa is a fitness and nutrition and health coach and consultant based out of Vancouver, Canada. You can find her at lisacarpenter.ca.k. You know what? I never really knew how exactly to say that out loud, what the extension is for a Canadian website, but it's lisacarpenter.ca. I really had fun with this one. Lisa is hilarious. She's really fun to chat with, and she has a conversation style that very much approximates approximates blood force trauma, which is a uh, conversational style that I very much enjoy having. I was introduced to Lisa through Dr. Shannon Irvin, who was the guest. If For those of you that can remember, she was the guest on episode 19 of the show back in December. If you haven't listened to that episode of the show, I definitely recommend that you go back to it and listen to it. Uh, Dr. Shannon was pretty incredible. But Back to today's guest with Lisa Carpenter. She is the author of a book called Let's Eat, EAT being an acronym for Education, Action, Transformation, and it's a program that she runs. She also has a program for it through her website that you can find there. She also has a couple of other programs that are on there, but I don't want to necessarily get into everything right now. This conversation was fun. I really enjoyed this chat with Lisa, and I really hope you do as well. Without further ado, I bring you Lisa Carpenter. Here we go. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite. Hey, Lisa, thanks for coming on the
1: show. Thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this.
0: No worries. The audience of the show just got a brief rundown of how you and I know each other and what it is that you do, but obviously you know yourself a little better than I know you. God, I hope. Um, <laughs> so why don't, why don't you just start by just telling the audience a little bit about you and we'll go from there.
1: You know, a broad view is I'm a life and nutrition coach. Uh, but I what I really do is I help, I help men and women, predominantly women, really make peace with food in their bodies. And the other side of my business is the type of people that I'm working with are already kind of, they're leaders in their own right. And I help them step into that next level of leadership. So what that means is I believe that whether it's food or busy or doing or whatever it is that is holding us back from stepping into that next place of leadership Mm. starts from the inside out. Okay. So food and busy and doing, those are all just kind of symptoms, but they're not the root cause Mm. of what's getting in our way.
0: Got it. Now, when it, when it comes to fitness, like the balance between fitness and nutrition, like mm-hmm. how, how much, how how do you sort of strike that balance with your clients? Like, do you have a relatively, I would like, hate to say, use the term cookie cutter, but like, do you have mm-hmm. a very specific client that you work with, where the your prescriptions for them can be relatively uniform, or how how broad is the spectrum? I guess.
1: It's very broad. So I don't actually work with any cookie cutter type of system or program. So yes, I've developed programs around nutrition that I work with some of my clients on, but it really is about helping them learn how to choose for themselves so they can build out their own blueprint, whatever that looks like. And for a lot of the women that I'm working with, when it doesn't have anything to do with food, it's looking at their behavior patterns that are getting in the way of what they want, you know, control, perfectionism, people pleasing, approval seeking, like there's a whole host of stuff. So my work is very individualized to the person that I'm working one on one with. And of course, I, you know, I have group programs that people can go through as well and and learn at their own pace. So it's really, I have a very eclectic business in terms of the range of people that I work with and what they're coming to me for.
0: Now, how would you, how would you break down your, Clients with regards to you—you you mentioned there's more like an online mm-hmm. or a systematized way mm-hmm. to get access, but obviously there's also one-on-one coaching as well. Like, what what percentage of your business would you say is which? That's a
1: really great question. So my business has evolved so much from the time I started it. Right, like I've mm-hmm. been I've been an entrepreneur now for almost two decades, really working around nutrition and wellness, and you know helping people make peace with food in their bodies. Moved all those courses online. And it's been growing, which is why, you know, I also wrote a book that will help with that side of my business. Uh, But over the past, I would say, year and a half, I've really been moving into working with more high-level kind of leaders and influencers. They've been coming to me not because they're necessarily struggling with food, but because they're struggling kind of feeling happy, fulfilled, successful, in their businesses or in their lives. So the the biggest percentage of one to one work I'm doing now is with those type of men and women. And most of the people that are coming to me in regards to nutrition or changing their bodies or getting healthier tend to be going through my courses and doing kind of the self-study programs. And I'm going to be moving into a membership as well. So it's really, really diverse. And it's very interesting to see kind of where people come from. Most of my one-to-one now is by referral, people come to me because they've been referred to me which is amazing like who doesn't sure. want that in their business right
0: sure now do those clients like do you work with them even though they're one on one do you work with them remotely or do you work with them in person where you are like remotely okay my
1: entire business is online which is fantastic because I'm a mom I've got 3 boys right we understand that when we've got families there's a lot of things we can juggle and it really allows me to have a bigger reach and a bigger impact outside of just my community.
0: Oh sure. Yeah, no the the online the online space is definitely interesting. I mean, I've never been until I launched the podcast, I've never really had any sort of a web-based presence mm-hmm. um, of any significance. Like I've had businesses before, yes, they've had websites, but it's not really there. I I'll jo- jokingly call it very web 2.0. It was just right. hey, this is what, you know, this is a website because you say you have to have a website, but I've never actually had anything interactive until now. And, exactly, and as, or with the type of reach, like I was mentioning this on another interview that I did recently. So audience, I do apologize, but the, for the first maybe month or so of me launching my podcast outside of the very first day, because of the, you know, terror, um, the, I never looked at the analytics for my show until maybe about a month or so in, And because I was just, I was, I was terrified. It's like, no one's listening. No one's listening. No one's listening. No one's going to hear me. And after about a month or so, I went in and looked at the analytics and my show was listened to at least two or three dozen times in, I think it was 14 countries wow, or so. And I'm like, who the hell are these people? Like, how, how? Like, who the hell are these people? How did they find me? Like, what? Where did? Like, it's amazing. And, I mean, now, I mean, the U.S. is obviously the biggest percentage of who listens to my show, just because we're more podcast junkies here than anywhere else. But the second cup, com- the second country is Australia, and the third ranked country is Japan, of all places. Amazing. I've never been. I know no one. I, you know, I just, it's, it's amazing. It really is amazing.
1: Uh, it really is. And, you know, I just want to acknowledge you sharing that because there's so many of us that are, you know, we want to do amazing and big things in the world and we want to have an impact. But at the same time, we're terrified to have an impact. Right. And yeah. looking at those <laughs> analytics is, is scary because then it's like you come face to face with our people hearing me. And, you know, I was talking on another interview about how I had to learn that I couldn't hang all my success on the external validation of other people, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to be able to show up and do our work in the world, whether it's podcasting or coaching, Mm -hmm. knowing like deep in our gut that we're making an impact and also being okay with acknowledging like, okay, people do actually, people are actually hearing what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and listening or following along. So I love that you I love that you just shared that. It's so and, powerful.
0: And the fact and the fact that once you realize that there's also the the dichotomy that's inside of you, which says is like, okay, I want like whatever your creative endeavor, whatever your business. Mm-hmm. In my case, it's podcasting. Some people it's writing a book. Whatever whatever that is, is like I have something inside of me that I want to share with the world.
1: Yeah.
0: You fight and fight and fight and fight to bring yourself to finally put it out. And then there's the dichotomy, which is God, like you put, you publish your first, you know, manifesto right. on your blog or whatever it is you plus publish. And you're like, crap, are people are actually going to read that. Right. People like, are show you, up. Meant, you meant for them to read it. You I meant know, for them to hear it. Right? Like, like in the case in my, like with me, with the podcasting, I'm like, clearly, but it's a, it's an audio platform. People are going to right. listen to it. It's like. Oh my God, are people actually going to listen to this thing? Like, I don't know what the hell to say, you know, it's like, or I don't know what I'm doing, but yeah.
1: There is nothing more vulnerable than putting your work out into the world, right? Like even with, and we have talked about this before with my book, right? It's one thing to write it, but then I'm like, oh, people are going to read it. Like it it just (laughs) seems so raw. And you know, I'm just back from a a women's summit that I was, you know, fortunate enough to be uh, invited to. Partly because the person who was throwing it was one of my clients. But it was amazing because this was her dream, right? Like I helped walk her into her dream and hold that space. And even though it was amazing for everybody, it was still terrifying for her, right? Like when we do big things... Mm-hmm. it is vulnerable and as long as we don't you know run away from that we just stay present to what we're feeling and know that it's normal like if you were doing something big in the world and you weren't a little bit terrified that, that's kind of weird yeah, right like a little, like,
0: w- little weird a
1: yeah. little bit weird like we're yeah. supposed to be afraid and the more we share this with you know whether it's friends or colleagues or mentors or coaches the more we normalize it, and the more we can continue to put one foot in front of the other instead of judging ourselves for being afraid or feeling vulnerable, it's um, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a cool journey. It's it's a, an interesting process.
0: It is an interesting process. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've been, you've you've alluded to your book a couple of times. Like what what's the what's the for people that are listening? What's the title of your book and what's kind of the general premise?
1: It's called Let's Eat, and it's about breaking the addictive cycle of dieting while losing weight and making peace with food and their body for life. And it's it's really a culmination of my work over the past two decades to kind of tie it all up. And I wanted to give people a gateway into uh, my work mm-hmm. without having to seek me out one-to-one or jump into one of my courses, right? Like it's such a sure. such kind of a beautiful way to tie up that piece of my work as my one-to-one work expands into um, another place, but it's such a, you know, it's such a small part of, of who I am and, and what I do. And that's why I was looking forward to having this conversation with you, because I knew we were going to be talking about a lot of different things and not necessarily diving into all the pieces of food and nutrition and, and dieting. So
0: Mm -hmm. now the, uh, speaking, speaking as a parent,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Who, who kind of does this. I'm sorry, but like consider considering the, the focus on nutrition that you have. Mm-hmm. Yes. How mommy Nazi ask are you with regards to what your kids are eating?
1: <laughs> oh my God. That's such a fascinating question. Okay. So let me give you a little bit of background on me. I did not grow up a tree hugging, granola eating health nut. Mm-hmm. I like love Slurpees, which are like, you're like, Frosties, I think, in the States, right? It's a cup yep. of sugar that's oh, frozen. Oh, we, still,
0: we still have, we have, we have Slurpees. Slurpees. Yep. Okay. Um,
1: microwave popcorn, which I think will probably kill you if you eat enough of it. And I smoked, like I was not a healthy, I was not a healthy person. So obviously this is like years of me growing into becoming healthier. Mm. So when it comes to my kids, I've never been kind of a food <laughs> I've never been that way with food. So yes, there's lots of healthy foods in our house. I don't bring anything into my house that I don't agree with. So they're not going to find bags of potato chips and candy and stuff like that in my house. One, because, you know, I'll probably go face first down into it and that doesn't serve (laughs) me like full disclosure. Like I love like there's still I still get those cravings for sugar and junk food. I'm a human being. I'm normal. Um my, my, my two oldest boys who are, you know, almost 18 and and 16, they reach a certain age where we have very little say, right? Like as they walk out the door and they're driving cars and all that stuff, I have to just trust that the foundation I've laid for them, they're going to lean into that as they get older. And they're probably going to go through a rebellious period, right? Like my son one day came home with like a four liter, I'm Canadian, a four liter jug like the big milk jug, because mm-hmm. it was, you know, bring your own container day to Seven Eleven, right? Filled oh with Slurpee. God. He's like, look, mom, right? Like, what can I do but laugh? Uh, I And this is where I talk, you know, I talk awesome. about control. The only thing that I can control is me. So you draw a circle around your feet. Everything inside the circle is my responsibility. So yes, I'm still here to be a parent. But my job isn't to control my kids. My job is to educate them and empower them. But ultimately... They get to make their choices. Their life on Earth gives them the right to make their own choices. So hopefully, as they get older, they'll pick up what I've been putting down. But again, like I have to let I have to let go of that. I got one kid who's a total carbohydrate junkie. Now, my youngest, who's only six, obviously, I have a little bit more say in that. But even that, he watches his big brothers and I get pushback. So I have to come back to, you know, if I'm trying to control everything and push everything down their throats, does that make for a peaceful living environment for me and for them? So I do my best. I do my best to lay the, you know, to have the healthy uh, foods in the house because that's all I have and to guide them and then trust the process. As with everything, trust the process.
0: Yeah. Now, something that you said, I'm, I'm curious about. You mentioned about how, obviously, when when you were younger, you were not necessarily doing all of the above hmm. things. No. when When did that transition happen, and why did that transition happen? Like, was that's there?
1: A, that's a really good question. Um. So when I got married and had, you know, started my family, I had left the corporate world, and I had been an outside sales rep for giftware, floral things, souvenirs. I did all these like crazy outside sales jobs. And I knew that I wanted to be my own boss at heart. I didn't want to work for anybody ever again. So I'd always loved weight training. I'd always been in the gym. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, hey, I love that. I'll just turn that into a job. So I became a personal, I became a personal trainer and started my own business there. And my interest in nutrition came from wanting to get my clients better results. And then I decided, because I'm a very kinesthetic learner. I'm like, I'm like Joey Tribbiani, I got to get in the map to follow the map. I'm totally that person. So I decided to start competing in fitness and figure competitions. So if I was going to help other people transition, I was going to change. My own body. So, of course, I had to learn how to change my nutritional habits. Mm-hmm. Now, the first coach I worked with was Crazy Pants, the stuff she put me on. And the fact, like, when I look back on how she had me eating and what she had me doing, I don't know how I did it. Mm-hmm. I think we can be disciplined, you know, a couple times in our lives, but I can't go back to that way of living. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was really like, that was the start of it. That mm-hmm. because I saw how. I transform my body. And then it was just kind of like, well, how do I build on this? How do I build on? How do I learn more? And then, you know, it kind of went on from there. And now I've, you know, successfully maintained a physique that I love, right? My jeans fit every morning. That's important for me. I feel good in my skin. That's important for me. It's not about perfection. It's about, you know, when my heat, when my feet hit the floor in the morning, do I feel good about how I'm showing up? Because for men and for women, if we don't feel good in our bodies, good things don't happen, mm-hmm. right? Like it's mm-hmm. right. That it's a foundational piece of just feeling good determines how we show up in our day and the relationships we're having with other people.
0: Sure. Now the I'm trying to think how to phrase it, but like, you, you mentioned about when, when you started doing the comp, when you started doing the competitions now mm-hmm. that happened, How how much time had gone by, from basically the dawning of the the dawning of this new reality and like the you know like
1: from when like from when I gave up like smoking and eating Doritos to, to transitioning go, into transitioning fitness
0: to, yeah because I because I've got you know actually she was one of the one of, she was my first local guest for my show a friend of mine Monica Beeman, back in September mm-hmm. of last year that you know she got into she was always been a relatively fit person. Mm-hmm. But in her late 30s, after three kids, it it just sort of randomly hit her. It's like, you know what? I want to get into professional body sculpting, and oh, well. like she she was at amateur level, but you know, go to the gym six seven days a week for mm-hmm. several hours a day, and did this for several years while having you know a husband and a house and kid, three boys and a dog and all all the crazy stuff that goes along with it, like. Where did where did that, when did that urge hit and, you know, how much time mm. went by?
1: Oh, my boys were little when I started competing. And I think I was competitive for, oh, I want to say five years. I'd have to go back and look at the dates. I'm one of those people that has no concept of time, time, time. and <laughs> dates and all that kind of stuff. It seems, it, and it seems like such a lifetime ago, right? Like it seems so, so far in the past. But yeah, I think I competed for about... Five years and I went, you know, I went as high as the fitness universe competition and placed in the top 10. And then I was like, all right, we're good now.
0: Okay. And I, I like pizza. No, I'm just <laughs> no, but it was like,
1: it was like I had, you know, there were so many personal goals within there. Yeah. There were so many things that I was shedding in pursuit of those goals it was never you know it was never about winning it was about how can i become better what can i learn about myself and i i learned a lot in the process but I don't know what, I think I volunteered at a show and that's how I got my first spark of like, okay, if I'm really going to learn how to change someone's body, somebody else's, sure. then I should learn how to change my own. I was never overweight. Mm-hmm. I just never really loved my body. And I was like, what would it look like if I could change it? Mm-hmm. And now, you know, weight training, even though I'm not going on the competitive stage anymore, weight training is still something I love, love to do. Sure. Partly because it's, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm pocket size, and I love going in the gym and moving around heavy stuff. I also love breaking the stereotype that we have around what it looks like as we age and what we're capable of. Yeah. So that is fun for me too, when I'm, you know, trying to go head to head with a, you know, mid 20 something, and I'm in my mid 40s now. And I'm trying to keep up and I'm like, okay, I'm not doing a b- I'm not doing a bad job here. This is pretty cool. Maybe she's trying to keep up with me.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of, that kind of brings you back to sort of the, the discipline that you need to have to be able to maintain that sort of a performance now digging into that a little bit, you mentioned that the coach that you had was, let's just say. Crazy little, pants. Yeah. That one.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that, so, like, coach-
0: what, what was, what was that? I mean, if, if you want to, if you want to get like super granular and talk about sort of what the, what the actual routine was, that's fine. Or just like, what was it that was so restrictive?
1: So it was very, so there's a lot of misconceptions around what it takes to change your body composition. And I love that you use the word discipline because it isn't really about discipline. It's, it's, you know, the reason I'm able to still go to the gym is because I love it. Like, it's easy for me because I love it. We make time for the things we love, that we make time for the things that make us feel good, right? Like, you don't need to be disciplined to hug your kids, right? You love them. So, with this particular coach, I didn't know any different. So, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what else was available to me. I only had her perspective. And it was literally 12 weeks of like fish and yam and spinach, right?
0: Yeah.
1: At a zillion meals with very, like, it was very restrictive. So, yeah, did I get lean? Yes. Did it suck every single meal? (laughs) Yes. And that's why, like, not to mention, she also had me on diuretics, which nobody needs to take diuretics for 12 weeks, right? Like, insane. I know too much now, but that's what I want. Like, I don't want people to think that they've got to live in this deprived state to feel amazing in their body. Like, I still have things that. People would classify as bad. I hate that. Um, food is neither good or bad. Choice is isn't a should or shouldn't. It's a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. Food is neutral. Like you, you choose. It's yeah. only our judgment that makes food bad. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different things I eat, and that's part of what I teach is that we've got this whole range. And we need to take responsibility for what that range is going to look like. And so many people come to me, right? Like I went to that coach, give me the plan and I'll follow the plan. I'll change my body. Yeah. I don't want people to follow a plan. I yeah. want them to take radical responsibility for their choices, stop judging themselves, and feel good in their bodies. Like you get to have it all. Yeah. But if you eat cake all the time, obviously. You're not going to feel great all the time, but if you eat only vegetables and only healthy all the time, I guarantee you those people aren't crazy happy either. So it's about finding what your moderation is going to look like and what your balance is going to look like. So it makes sense for your life. Like that's what I'm super passionate about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, um, it it was so funny, like going through over the years, like I, I've never been particularly overweight by any stretch of the imagination, Unless you look at the, the, that wonderful BMI calculator, which is, that, you know, when, when I was wrestling, when I was wrestling and playing football in high school, I would have, I was obese according right. to their, you know what I mean? So like I don't pay, like outside of talking to that particularly vague metric. Um, but since high school, since college, getting jobs, sitting down longer periods of time, not working out because you didn't need to in the past over the period, you know, i put on some weight periodically through my twenties and into the thirties. And you know, there there's always been so many different things to do things to try, whether it be meal plans or different diets or whatever it might be. And the first thing that I've ever come across uh, that worked for me with regards to any level of permanence was uh tim ferris's slow carb diet like i came across it when he published that book in 2011 and i tried it for the first time and it was very interesting how it's so it's it's interesting it's very similar to what you said yourself which is it there is a there's a lot of restriction but there's built-in breaking of those restrictions and because that i mean that's that's the premise of the whole that's that's the reason why so many diets fail with most people. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, look, we're going to go on this diet, go into your kitchen, go into all your cabinets, throw out all your food, but write down what it all is, because you'll have to keep that on a list on your phone as things do never, ever buy again, ever. You can never have pizza ever. You can never have French fries ever. You can never do that. Yeah. And the we're we're primates. I like the, the way that I think is when I hear that, I'm like, Oh, wow. Never, 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 never say never. Never?
1: So, so here's what I know. (laughs) Our actions always follow our beliefs. Mm. So if we believe that in order to lose weight and keep it off, we have to restrict ourselves and we can't have things. Mm. I don't know about you, but the rebel in me is like, hell no, I'm not doing that, right? So weight loss is not hard. People hate it when I say that. Weight loss is not hard, right? Eating healthy is not Hard. We've got like so many different foods to choose from. There, like imagine that. There's no restriction. It's about choice. You want to have a piece of cake? Yes or no? Does it help you move closer to your goals? Yes or no? You still get to choose. You could say, you know what, my goal is to lose twenty pounds, and this piece of cake is actually not going to get me there faster. But I'm going to consciously choose to eat it. I'm going to enjoy it, and then tomorrow I'm just going to move the hell on and not make it a big deal, right? That is a much more wide open mindset. And when you step into that, like truly step into owning that belief Mm. that you can still lose weight and eat cake and choose without having to follow a plan, that's like, that's freedom to me. That's what more people, that's what more people need. But until we actually start looking at the habits and beliefs that we've hardwired into our brain Mm. and change those, we're constantly going to be up and down on this diet roller coaster and that's why i'm so passionate about talking about you know the mindset piece for lack of a better term sure. our brains are hardwired to find the easiest way from point a to point b mm-hmm. on autopilot right yeah. you go into the bathroom in the morning you brush your teeth yep. if you're right-handed it's always with your right hand you are more than capable of brushing with your left hand but sure. it is going to be uncomfortable while you rewire your brain to create that new habit The same is true around food. So when we go into a diet and we believe, okay, I'm going to follow this plan for X number of days and then I'm done. I've lost the weight and then I'm done. Mm -hmm. You're never done. Mm -hmm. You have to eat food until the day you die. It is your responsibility to learn how to have a better relationship with it. People don't want to hear that. What do you mean I have a relationship with food, Lisa? Of course you have a relationship with it. If you're judging it as good or bad, Mm -hmm. there's a relationship there there's stuff going on we have to look at the emotional pieces that are holding us back from getting what we want and that could be with food or in our businesses or with the things we want to do in the world like podcasting Mm -hmm. right like how long did it take you before you even had the courage (laughs) to launch the podcast right
0: yeah Yeah. and all it was years yeah Exactly. It was literally years in my case. Like right. I, I came up with the idea in early 2015. Mm-hmm. I launched in the end of 2017. It took me years to get it off the ground.
1: Right. Yeah. Because there was a whole bunch of beliefs that you had to bring to the surface and say like, this isn't true mm-hmm. and I need to believe this and I need to think this and this is possible. And you had to learn from people and you, had to, right? you literally mm-hmm. had to rewire your brain to say like, I can do this.
0: Yeah. I had to become a different person. Like I had to become the person that could do. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mic drop. You had to become the person who could podcast. People have to become the person that can lose weight with ease and keep it off. Mm -hmm. You have to become that person. You have to be, you have to become the entrepreneur that can show up in your business as a leader or an influencer or whatever you want to be be doing. So, you have to become the person who has healthy relationships with other people. Mm. If that's where you're struggling in your life, that is the key. It's the the rewiring of of our brains so that we can actually have what we want.
0: Something something that I'm curious about with the people that you're working the, through this process with. Mm-hmm. This might sound like an off the wall question, but I'll explain. Okay what percentage of these people that you see that seem to have success with a transformation like this have kids, like what percentage of those would you say of the ones that, you know, I don't know whether exactly the metric to look at, but like for people that can have the ability to adopt that sort of a change, I'm very curious to to see sort of the correlation between, you know, this one has children versus the, this one does not. Because,
1: I've never well, keep going I because, saying, why?
0: because I mean, I can say, I can say for myself, like I had more crazy ideas of things to do before I got married and had kids, but nothing ever ended up happening since having kids, the random scatterbrain ideas that I come up with a are not as numerous probably because mm-hmm. I'm not getting as much sleep, but that aside, um, I'm also actively mm. pursuing and actively doing almost every idea that does hit me. So I'm a hell of a lot more proactive now. And I don't know what it was that changed that. All I know is that it happened right around that magical mark of when the kid was born. Like, was that the daddy juices kicking, like the daddy hormones kicking mm. in that literally rewires your brain instantaneously? or Okay,
1: what- here's my thoughts on this because i think the kids are not kids is irrelevant Mm -hmm. i think we're born into this world like perfectly imperfect and then we go along and we're all these ideas but we're young and we don't have discernment Mm -hmm. and we've got you know as we've been going through life we've picked up all these false beliefs about Mm ourselves and once as we transition and get older whether it's having kids or not we are forced to let go of stuff that isn't serving us like we're just forced to let it go So, when you bring kids into the mix, you have more balls in the air, right? You have less bandwidth for all the ideas, and you've learned how to be more discerning, right? You've learned to focus on the things that are really important and let go of all the rest. So, whether kids or not kids, I think that as we get older, as we get older, our wisdom deepens. Right? We go from knowledge, I could do all these things, to this wisdom that kind of pulls us forward more. So I think people become more successful as they get older because they're battling with less insecurities. Because as we get older, we're forced to leave those parts of us that no longer serve us behind. So I've never been asked that about kids, but I actually think it has more to do with it. Because usually people are having kids now, like, later. <laughs> I'm like later. Yeah. Much later. So I had my two boys earlier and I had my youngest much later and there's a different, I'm a different parent now. Oh, sure. because I'm older. The wisdom is, you know, deeper or maybe I'm just exhausted and care less. No, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) But it could could also, it, it could also be like that. That's it's like the age old joke about you can tell, you can tell how many kids, you know, a parent has, by the way that they respond to the pacifier dropping out on the ground. Yeah. Like, Oh with, my God. Yeah. With your, with the first kid, you know, it's like, you're running to the sink, you're getting the disinfectant soap. You're putting it through this, like the little hand UV UV light sanitizer, and then giving it back. It's like the second one, you know, with the second kid, you're picking it off the ground. R- wiping it off on your shirt and sticking it back in their mouth. Right. And then by the third kid, it's, they're just picking it up and shoving it right back in their yeah. mouth. It's like, ah, it's grit. It's dirt. She's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. She'll, yeah, she'll be <laughs> so fine. So true. Yeah. so, and so, so it's like, true. Especially frankly. And this is a joke that my wife and I can you know, throw constantly throw back and forth is that, you know, and honestly, if it fell on, and if it fell down on the ground, outdoors, it's probably safer than it falling and hitting the ground in your house. Cause totally. there's le- it like, people don't remember that there's more germs probably in your house in the concentrated area than outside.
1: I agree. Right. It's that, yeah. The wisdom that comes as we get older and we just, you know, you let go of the stuff that just doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Like the, like the UV sterilizer for the, right, but yeah. Right. Like,
1: we're doing the, we're doing the best we can.
0: Yeah. At the end, it was like, yeah, you know, earlier you're paying, you know, $500 for a, for a Gucci diaper bag. It was like, by the, by the time, you know, you let it a couple of years go by, you're like, you know what? Gallon zipper, lock, gallon Ziploc bag works great.
1: Totally. Right. Shove yeah. it in my pocket and uh-huh. off we go. High five. Yeah. Let's go with it. Yeah, oh it's yeah. Good. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Parenting humbles you like no other job in the world.
0: It does it really does the the f- most fun experience that we've that we've had really with this, especially with the second one coming along mm. is just seeing how our ki- our kids are acting like we act in social situations it's actually really interesting Be, you know with yeah you know, the, the it was like their personality the way they interact with people the way they were you can see how they're awkward like you were, but might no longer be, and you can see it in them. And they're like, oh God, poor, it's like poor little girl. You have no idea what you're in for.
1: I know, right? It's so, it's fascinating. And at the same time, so they're sponges, they absorb, you know, our behaviors and our mannerisms. And at the same time, they're also unique little individuals like I remember when I took my oldest once to a Toastmasters meeting do you guys have you have Toastmasters right Toastmasters around the world former
0: former Toastmaster myself hey
1: right so I I went to Toastmasters because I was going to learn how to speak better and of course I had a very hard time following the rules (laughs) because it's a whole other story for another time but so I took him with me And at the end of the Toastmasters, I think he was in grade nine at the time. And you know they asked him if he wanted to get up and speak. And he was like, sure, no problem. And up he went to the podium. And I literally sat there with my jaw on the floor because I would never have been caught dead in a Toastmasters (laughs) meeting at that age, for one. And for two, I spent my entire life not speaking up. I would take failing grades before I was standing up in front of anybody to give any type of oral presentation. And here he was just like, full on confident and like in the zone. And I love that he brings that to the table. Mm -hmm. And then my, you know, my middle kid is like the other side of me. He's, he personifies the introvert in me and the one that's like more reserved and a little bit more insecure and likes to, you know, make sure everybody else is happy. So I have these two kids and I don't know how Jake's going to shake out my youngest, but I have these two kids that are literally mirror images of both sides of me, the sides that I honor and celebrate and the mm-hmm. sides that I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> we need to talk about that. Right. It's, it's fascinating. Our kids are here to teach us. We think it's the other way around, but they are so here to mirror back to us, the things that we need to learn and make peace with within ourselves. Yeah. Cause the things we don't like in them, I guarantee you, they started with us. Mm-hmm. Fascinating.
0: Now, Qu- Speaking of uh, something of a transformative experience, you we okay. talked about we talked about your book at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. What obviously you're not you weren't an author, you weren't a consistent writer. I would say before before this, like why? What did you experience it, going through the process of writing a book? Um, I'm curious specifically because you mentioned about being the type that sort of has a problem with direction and authority. Mm -hmm. The writing of a book is a relatively laborious process (laughs) that if you, and I love for laughing already, we haven't even gotten to your answer. Yeah. The, the, that, that process there, it's very rigid. If you're going to write a book, you, you, unless you want to take 20 years to write it, (sighs) the writing process has to be very much systematized and scheduled then there's yes. the editing process, which is exactly the same, where you're forced to look at your own work and see that it sucks and have to fix it, which isn't exactly uh, the most pleasant process in the world. Yes. Uh, so. Yeah. So wh- what.
1: <laughs> where to even start with this. Yeah. So writing a book was never a dr- like, I didn't, you know, I didn't come into this. Lots of people come into this world and they're like, I have dreams of writing a book. That was never my dream. I loved to write. So I would do long, you know, Facebook posts. I love to write blog posts and stuff. But mm. it was, you know, it was never my dream to write a book. And so here I'd had these two big bodies of work, these online courses, and, you know, almost two decades of doing this work. And I kept having coaches nudge me like, you need to write a book, you need to write a book. And I'm like, eh, I don't want to write a book. I don't want to write a book. It's too much work. It's too-. And exactly for what you said, the systems, the structures, like I really struggle with that. I love freedom and flexibility. And I've learned over the years to appreciate systems and structure, because they really do give me the freedom that I want.
0: Sure.
1: So what I did Full disclosure, I had a lot of help with this book because I no longer try and push a boulder up the hill. Mm-hmm. There are other people that are way better at stuff than I am, mm-hmm. and I'm allowed to partner with them to bring my work into the world. So, first, we had every piece of content that I've ever put out, including all my courses, transcribed everything. So, we had a mountain <laughs> of documentation. Yeah,
0: thousands and of I, pages. A, yeah.
1: Thousands. So, then I hired somebody to help me weed through it all. And because you know me, I'm like all of it's important. We need to share all of it, right? Here's the fire hose. Let me turn it on full blast and drink from it, please, and see transformation. It doesn't happen that way. As experts, quite often we want to give everybody everything, but they need less from us yeah. because that they need to be able to assimilate the information. So him and I went through everything and we really picked out what are the, what are the important things and how are we going to weave this together in a way that it takes the reader through a journey and really exposes them to things that, and concepts they might not have been exposed to. So he really worked with me to write it oh, yeah. and, we were on his timeline. So there was no time for me to get in my head about I can't do this because it was literally like pages would come to me and then I would have to sit and go through it. So I would block off weeks at a time where my job was to go to the coffee house. So I wouldn't even stay at home. I would switch environments. I would annihilate everything on my computer. And all I would do would be write and edit and go back and forth with him um, until we ended up with the finished project. Now, what I will say is I 100% got to choose the energy that I brought to that writing. So you can sit down and go, Oh my God, this is so hard. And it's going to be laborious. And I hate this. And right. That's one energy. Sure. I decided not to show up with that, that mm-hmm. this, you know, I was going to enjoy Like I'm writing a book. Like, how about we have a little bit of fun with this, Lisa, be compassionate. Of course, this is hard. You're doing something big, yeah. let it be uncomfortable, but be excited. Like this is work. That's going to be out in the world forever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I might find it in, 30 years from now in some weird bookshop on the south of France. I don't know. I don't know where my book is going to travel to. That's pretty cool, right? So I wanted to feel excited and enthusiastic about it. So that was kind of the energy that I brought to it. So it really wasn't this like, oh my God, this totally sucks because I made a conscious choice to not have it be that way. And it, mm. it was, it was really exciting watching it kind of come to life. And we did it over a very short amount of time. So I know about me, the longer I drag things out, the more procrastination can seep in. And I think I'll do this instead. Mm. And I think I'll do that instead.
0: Oh, I have time.
1: Right. Start to finish writing the book was three months. Wow. Start to finish. Let's get it done. Now, I do not suggest that to anybody. Mm-hmm. Niativity was my friend. I didn't know what I didn't know. As per mm-hmm. usual, with me, I'm just going to jump and hope for the best. Nobody should launch a book mm-hmm. <laughs> like we wrote it in three months. And now we're launching it by the middle of February. So basically over two quarters, if we're mm-hmm. looking at it from you know a business standpoint, it's been a lot. But again, I'm just I'm enjoying the process of it. I don't mm-hmm. know how it's all going to play out the journey, the ride through this has been pretty wild and pretty, like, pretty fun, pretty cool stuff. So we are capable of doing so much more when we stop trying to do it all ourselves, Mm -hmm. when we employ those people that can help us and Mm -hmm. propel us forward. And when we put those safeguards in place so that we can't get stuck in our heads, sabotaging our best efforts, Mm -hmm. right? Like, imagine if you had had the right mentor or right help, three years ago, how yeah. much faster that podcast would have gotten out, yeah, but you didn't know it.
0: You didn't know. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't. I was like, right? it's like, like, by the time, like you did, you don't know all the things that are involved in launching a new endeavor. So what, and then once you find out not how little it is, but how much it is, you're like, oh my God, I need to get, it goes from, oh my God, I need to get to work to there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to finish all that. So the hell, the hell with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then to just let stuff go.
1: Yeah. And I mean, now I've, you know, I've got a team behind me who is helping me with all the moving pieces of pulling this book launch together. Cause Mm -hmm. it's a lot, Sure, but it's also required me to be willing to let go of control Mm -hmm. and trust my team. Right. So there's so many layers of how I've had to shift my mindset there. Like I we've, we've built this robust resource section. I don't even know what it looks like because I've never been in there mm-hmm. because I don't need to. Yeah. I trust my team that all the elements will be in there, but do I need to put my hands on all the design stuff and details? No, that's micromanaging. So I've really had to learn to just let go. Mm-hmm. And again, I get to decide, am I going to be like an anxious, freaking out, you know, all the things while I launch this, or am I just going to be in the energy of like, I wrote a book. I'm launching a book. That's pretty cool. Whether five people buy it or five thousand people buy it is irrelevant to me. It's what do I want the journey to feel like? What do I want the process to feel like? And the more we can stay in the process of our lives instead of always focusing on, well, I got to get there. I'll be happy then. Whether it's weight loss or launching a book, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. When we can bring ourselves back to, you know, how do I want to feel today? What is this process going to be like for me today? Mm. It's Way more enjoyable, mm. way
0: more enjoyable, right? Yeah. What is? What's the next project like that that you think is going to be a bit of a growth opportunity for yourself? If, oh my If not goodness. necessarily for your business, is, is there? Is there something that you can talk about? Obviously.
1: Yeah. So this is cool because my next project is there is no new project, and that is so new for me because one of my sabotaging behaviors is okay let's do this. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Like before I've even like ticked the box and you know hit the bar, I've moved mm-hmm. the bar. So my commitment to myself this year is I'm going to enjoy launching this book. And the only thing that we are working on this year is continuing to refine how people experience me when they meet my work and how they experience you know are they going to move into my programs and how can I support um, my membership community, which will will come out of it. That's the only thing I'm focused on. So there is nothing new. It's all about doing less better and going deep with what I have. And beyond that, you know, it's it's working with my one to one clients. It's allowing that part of my business to grow. Um, you know, I've got some travel on my agenda. Like I said, I just came back from this amazing summit. But like that's it. It's allowing myself to savor <clears throat> the success and achievements to this point for for the rest of the year like it's i've spent a lifetime trying to move away from striving energy striving to get there striving to feel fulfilled striving to feel happy and knock wood if my life were to end tomorrow i would be feel very fulfilled and proud of everything i've accomplished it doesn't mean that i don't want more it doesn't mean that i am not don't still have ambitions and things that i want to accomplish but it will all unfold beautifully now that I'm in this energy of everything that I want in my life is already kind of here. Mm -hmm. If hopefully that makes sense. There's just like, I'm just in this peaceful place. I just don't want to be doing more stuff.
0: It's, um, yes, yes, I understand what you're saying, but I also wonder if I understand what you're saying. Mm. Um, I say that because it's like, it sounds, it sounds great. But then if you don't necessarily have, like you mentioned, like if all the things that you necessarily want are right there, if you either a haven't gotten all the things that you want in your life there, or B they really are, but you just don't know it yet. Mm. That kind of goes, goes with the growth thing. Like how much until you actually find that particular place. It's like you don't really know exactly what it was that you were that you were talking about, because it's it's it again. I keep getting back. I keep going back to kids. Like it's kind of like you know after after you have kids and like the. All the things that they talk about that happens to you when you become a parent that yeah. until you have kids, you have no idea what the hell these people are talking about. You can say you do. It's like like I love it's like I love my kids more than life itself. is like you have no idea what it feels like. Oh yeah, it's like um oh yeah, I'm sure. Like, no, you have but no they don't. you they you have no earthly idea what the hell you're talking about until it happens. Like, it's very, like, it's eerie. It's creepy. Like, it's, it's,
1: it's perspective, right? Like, we only have the perspective that we're standing in right now. Yeah. Right. So when I say to my teenager, <laughs> you don't understand that you have so much more than I ever had. You had so much more freedom than I ever had. And he looks at me he's like, of course, I don't understand it. Mom, I only have my perspective. This is what happens when, you know, you live with a life coach. My kids actually pick up stuff that I, I hear. Was gonna, and like, I was going
0: to say, like the, the, the like, minute that Ugh. you realize that your kid is smarter than you are. like Totally. Ugh.
1: Totally. So he only has that perspective. Well, he's never going to truly appreciate my perspective until he's a parent Mm -hmm. and then he'll look back on that conversation and go oh I get it Mm -hmm. so you know somebody listening may be like I don't really get what she's saying and that's okay the fact that this conversation is opening you up to the fact that there are perspectives that you have yet to tap into Mm -hmm. that's exciting for me right like in this summit I was just at some of these women were talking about things and I was like wow, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Like that's available to me. I don't know if I want it, but the fact that Mm -hmm. that's your perspective, that's phenomenal. And that's what life is about is knowing that there's always going to be more things opening up to us. As long as we keep showing up and keep our heads up. (sighs) And, you know, I like to say doing that inside out work. So working on ourselves will always open us up to other perspectives or like radical changes, like having kids or, you know, somebody dying or, yeah. you know, there's a whole host of things that will occur in our lives that are on purpose. Mm-hmm. Even if they suck, they are on purpose and they are meant to crack us open yeah. so that we can step into a new way of seeing the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now it, it's a, it's interesting because when Another another thing that becoming a parent change, which again was this is a this is a story that I had heard on you know for there's a guy that has a show that I listen to all the time, and it's one of those things where this person has said this or used this example multiple times in the past, and I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what the hell it is that you're talking about, but basically yeah. the con- the concept is, you know, when you're young, especially when you're young, it, this change is obviously a little the older you get with experience, but when you're young, you see, you know, you know, Mr. Jim, the next door neighbor, the 75 year old bachelor, you know, the 75 year old widower that's been just, he was there. He was 73 when you were born. He's 78 now. And just that, that's an old man. It's like that, is like that, that person, Mr. Jim is an old man. Mommy mm-hmm. is this. I'm a little kid. We have, we have that own, that. We had that narrow perspective initially, but then when, when you finally come to the realization of when you're at the grocery store and you see the old guy that's helping people out with their bags, you're like, oh, wait a second. That guy was a baby once. It's like that guy went to, went to elementary school once and now he had another job and they did that. like." People are whole beings. It's like it's it's so like people are whole whole evolving beings that we don't think about most of the time. It like it's funny how that that carries over to our political discussions. I mean, it, it's like oh you're this, okay, so therefore you are this and have always been this for yeah. uh, like. That's not true. Everything's an evolving no. everything's an evolving That's process. Right. It's like what, what's the what's the time frame for the cellular development that people talk about? Like we we are we are literally physically yeah. not the same beings because every cell has replenished itself. There was a, te- like there somebody put a number on it. I think it was like seven there years. There is a number on it. I, I don't it was remember what like it is. Seven though. Years. Yeah, I think it was something like seven years. But we don't we don't remember that no. about our own perspectives.
1: Well, even think, right? Like, do you, you know, I don't feel any different at 45, although I've got, you know, more wisdom and all that, but I'm like, okay, I've changed a lot, but I remember when I was like 20 and somebody who was 45, I was like, oh, that's old. Now that I'm 45, I'm like, it's not old. (laughs) It's not old. I'm super young still. Like, we don't feel any different. We look at, you know, now I look at my parents and I always saw them as, you know, my parents, and now I'm like, "Oh, you guys are like just people trying to do this life thing like me." "Oh, you actually don't know what the hell you're doing either." Yeah. Right? So you start to see people for their humanity, like we really mm-hmm. are all just trying to do our best with what we know Yeah. at this moment in time. It's mm-hmm. it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like the it's like the old cliche of it's like when when I was young when I was young, my father was an idiot. But the older yeah. I get, it's amazing how much smarter he becomes, you know, right. it's like, oh uh, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, we realized, wait a second, this guy's just as screwed up as like, I'm as screwed up as my dad was then. It's like Oh, hundred percent. Yeah,
1: I like to remind my kids all the time that I have no idea what I'm doing with this parenting job. Like, I I actually tell them that. Like, and there have been times where I've had to go back to my kids and apologize because you know I've behaved badly as a parent. We've all had those moments where we're like, well, that sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had to go back to them and I've had to apologize and just said, you know, like that wasn't okay that I showed up that way for you and you know, I'm not making excuses for myself, but what I need you to know is I actually don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm trying to figure things out as I go here as well, just like you guys are trying to figure out this whole teenage thing. So we're both in this together. And as long as we can keep that dialogue open, where we understand we're going to get it wrong, we're going to screw it up, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to say things that we're like, oh my gosh, did I really do that? That's where it gets, you know, that's where it gets interesting. Like I have a completely different dialogue with my kids than I did with my parents. For my parents, it was the parent and the kid Yeah. and I'm not trying to be equals or friends with my kids, but I am trying to be open and honest and mm. let them actually see me as a human being instead of this like
0: parent, right? Yeah.
1: Like, Oh, ah, yeah. I'm not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like this golden idol that sits on right. the mantle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. no. I'm not a golden idol. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> Hair color aside, of course, of course. <laughs> no, I, I think that's, I think that's actually a really great point to sort of wrap things up a little bit. <laughs> I just have one uh, last question for you. Um, every guest on the show, I asked them, ask them this question and okay. it's kind of getting back to the concept of the show itself, which is what are some small incremental things that people can do to get better? <laughs> um, what purchase have you made in recent memory of a hundred dollars or less oh. that's had the biggest impact on your life in some way, shape, or form?
1: Under a hundred dollars, you know, I am a voracious audiobook listener. Mm. Right, audiobooks are not—you know—they're not expensive, <clears throat> and audiobooks. The last one that I read that really had a profound impact on me, and I've read a lot of books that have profound impacts, and I'm not one of these. I'm going to read hundred books in hundred days. Like I don't, I actually want to embody what I'm learning. Um, so we'll we'll end with the story as to why this was so powerful for me. It's a book by Gabriel or Gabrielle Bernstein called The Universe Has Your Back, and there were a lot of years that I really lived in this place of struggle right? Everything was a struggle and it's so hard and why is making money so hard and why is business so hard? And it's taken me a long time to kind of break down those beliefs and stories, step into thriving and trust that everything is always working out, even when it's like, it doesn't look like it's working out. So in this book, she was, that I was listening to, she was talking about, you know, asking the universe for a sign and you can take, you you know, if you're woo-woo or not woo-woo or spiritual, whatever you want to call it, okay? <laughs> Take this out of – just, you know, bear with me. Put it in,
0: put it in your put it in, put your it in your own
1: context, right? There's yep. no right or wrong here, right? Whatever you believe in. And maybe you don't believe in that at all, in which case, you know, you don't have to listen. But I hope you listen to the end. She talked about asking for signs, asking for signs. So we were in a car we were driving you know I live in in Vancouver in Canada and we were driving up to the interior so it's it's a road that I've taken a gazillion times growing up because of family and so I'm listening to this and you know I was saying to my husband you know I've never felt so really grounded in my business as I do right now so in my head I'm listening to this book and she says ask the universe for the sign and I said okay I want to see a moose. Like, I know I'm on the right track, but I want to see a, I want to see a moose and I don't want to see like a moose on a bumper sticker or a sign. I want to see a real moose, right? Cause we're driving this road in the wilderness. Ugh,
0: you Canadians. Okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> seeing a moose is like seeing a unicorn. Seeing a moose in the wild is like seeing a unicorn. Okay. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. very true. Uh, did you not less than five minutes later I saw a moose. I made my husband stop the car and turn around. There was another family on the side of the road. I jumped out like a lunatic. I'm like, was that a, was that a moose? Was I seeing things or was that a moose? And they're like, it's, it's a moose. It went off into, I kid you not. So like I said, seeing a moose is like seeing a unicorn. So here this book. Because of that message and because I was like, okay, I'll play a long universe. Show me you got my back. Show me a sign. Show me that I am truly on the right path and I have nothing to worry about in my life and my business. Show me the moose. The moose showed up. From that moment forward, something so shifted in me. It doesn't matter what is going on in my life. Whenever I doubt, I remind myself, I saw a moose. A little, you know, I like got a little moose. Anyways, moose now have become this symbol that I can just let go and trust whenever I'm trying to grip too tightly. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, a couple days later, after we got back from our trip, I was in the gym and I had gotten an unexpected bill for a lot of money. We love those moments in our life, right?
0: Very much. So so. I'm
1: like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm just gonna I'm gonna get on the treadmill and I'm just gonna kind of, you know, move the emotion. Right. And I'm starting to go through my head and I could feel like the panic and freak out coming. And I look up at the TV and it's a documentary about the moose. You can't make you cannot make this stuff up. So I hit stop on the treadmill. I'm like, I am not spending another moment worrying about this. Everything will work out. The money will show up. I don't need to worry about this. And I went home. And you know what? The money did show up. So that's a very long answer to a very short question. But that, you know. You don't know where you're going to find the messages that you need to find, and they don't need to come from some $50,000 coach or from some expensive program. You may have an aha moment from listening to a free podcast, but everything that you need, all the answers that you're seeking in your life, your business, with your body, they are available to you. You just need to look up and pay attention and ask for the universe, God, whatever, to, to, to take you to that place you need to be, to put that teacher in front of you, to give you that sign or symbol or whatever, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I've actually never told that moose story, uh, live before. I haven't even written about it yet. Cause I'm like, I don't even know how to articulate this, but crazy the moose
0: anyways. That is an awesome story. Lisa Carpenter. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Such a pleasure. Yeah. So fun jamming with you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hey guys, thanks for again for listening to this episode of the Small Moose Podcast. I am super excited about this interview with Lisa Carpenter. I hope you really enjoyed it. I know I really did. She is hilarious. And I really want you guys to go on and check out her book, Let's Eat, and also her community Facebook page that she just recently launched called Full Frontal Living. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Also, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, Jason at Jason Hertzberger. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the show. And I will talk to you next time around. You've got this.